Welcome to the Code Live podcast with me, Carl Beach, and my great mate Nathan Blackaby. Hello, mate. You doing all right? How's your bunker looking, mate? It's looking all right, mate. I had a I had a fire last night in my old chimney, and the door to the office was open. Now it smells just full of smoke. That's how you want it. Yeah, I was quite pleased when I came in here this morning. It was like what yeah, rich. We want it rich and smoky, like an old school aftershave. Yeah, oaky. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of old school aftershaves, on that note, I did like a bit of brew when I was a kid in a green yeah. bottle. It literally splashed it everywhere as a kid. I used to make me, like, it used to feel like more of a man when I was like 10. Yeah, the brute, the brute's a good option because you can, you could double up the, the strength of it, can't you, with the shower gel, the deodorant, and the slap on. And then you've got the. And then, and then the talcum powder. <laughs> Do you an old spice talcum powder? That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, those are the glory days. Anyway, um, here we are. And. Um, how many weeks are we now into lockdown? Um, five weeks. Can I just say, this is pineapple and coconut. It's nothing sinister in a wine glass. And I'm wearing sunglasses indoors. <laughs> I'd just like to drink out of a nice glass at home. No, I am... Um, what I'll do for the next podcast is I'll show you my collection of tankards. I like a pewter tankard. Yeah. And I drink Wibina out of it. That's it, mate. Beer out of it, cider out of it. I love it. Heavy, um, heavy weight, a nice heavy weight glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And it makes a big difference. Uh, to, I think it makes a drink taste better. If I put beer in my old... What year was that? Last year. Uh, yeah, last year. We actually had plans for uh, Beaches Brew this year, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of guys are talking to me about merch. Um, I'm getting messages. Are we still going to do merch? Uh, this year, yeah, and uh, what's our what's our feelings on that? We are sorry, just moving my portable light. Yeah, I've got I've got a bit of softbox light in here going on. Look at that. Yeah, it just makes it nice. Yeah, professional. Um, yeah, we are. We're gonna we're working on that at the moment with Big Al, the chief steward, about putting together a quite extensive shop online, but also some limited edition T-shirt runs. I almost made it to the gathering type thing. Or the gathering in a bunker near Swindon. Yeah. Or I went to the virtual gathering. Yeah. Uh, we've got plans, haven't we? We're, and we're open for uh, recommendations, actually. A little comment. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Yeah. But yeah. And um, yeah. what are we going to do about the gathering this year? It's a good, we, we put a little bit of a thing up about it, but it might be a good chance to say yeah. what our plans yeah. are. Basically... We're going online with the gathering on the Friday yeah. and the Saturday. And yeah. extensive amount of stuff being recorded, pre-recorded. Beachy and I'll be live hosting the whole thing. Uh, basically, yeah. as much as we had at the gathering, we, we were trying to get it as content to deliver over YouTube and Facebook that weekend. That's it. That's it so um, all the usual stuff will be there. And we've set up a bit of a uh, a cool production facility, haven't we? We've, so we've invested. We've done the investment. We've invested big time. 
And also, um, we've got a new live weekly show going out, haven't we? Yeah, so there's going to be some comms about that later today. Um, look out for it. Sunday Night Live, starting the first Sunday in May. Beachy and I, a live show. And we've got a little bit planned, haven't we, mate? We've got a little bit planned. <laughs> so, um, the return of the mancologist. Yeah. Um, uh, rants, top threes, interviews. Yeah. Live interviews. Uh, Live with some good, like interesting guests. Yeah, and um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, music uh, reviews, all yeah. sorts of things happening. It's a ninety-minute live show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're hoping. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Maybe start of an hour. See how we go. We might run out of content after half hour. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, is there going to be a facility for interaction? Yeah, exactly. But we want people to join us that evening. Because it's a fun evening. Um, and comment. You can leave comments on YouTube and on Facebook, and we can respond to you live. We can even have a live audience via Zoom. Um, so we're working on that. We've got Al being an operator. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be quite something, isn't it? So looking forward to that. Um, uh, so that's kind of where CBM's up to at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, um, uh, situation's got... fast changing on the ground. Yeah, we've got resources just... out there. Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, so resources we've got um, already out is the Code Life Online, uh, a 12-week course that you can download, specifically written for your men's groups. And I know already that there's loads of groups already doing that. So they meet yeah. up in the evening over Zoom. We've had about 1,400 downloads on that alone, that resource. It's pretty Have good. we really? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good going, isn't it? And we're, we're just doing some daily devotionals, aren't we, mate, based on the book 52 Men I've put together. Yeah, we're, we're recording we've got... them now, aren't we? Yeah, so yeah, working hard to get you guys resourced and keep you on the front foot. So that's what that's all about. And of course, the podcast is still happening, yeah. which is what this is. And uh, and, and all the, of it, mate. We were talking offline yesterday, I think, and little chat. And it, and it's all about the gospel. We just want to keep the gospel front and center. That's it. I put a little post out on Facebook today, actually, because yeah. I've noticed a lot of, not a lot of, but a number of inspirational thoughts coming out. Yeah. You know, the planet's recalibrating, blah, blah, blah. We're all realising what's more important in life. And I think that's true. Mm. But there's still sin. Yeah. And people are still people. And people are fickle. And I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm an optimist. But I'm also a realist about the human condition. And what happened is, like, we're standing on the streets clapping the NHS one minute. Get back to normal, and there'll be people be being abusive the next or complaining. There's only one solution out there, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's it. And you know, we might be pausing and thinking, well, some people, because a lot of people are still trying to bust the gut, you know, and they're working and struggling yeah. and chats and smiles, there's no gardens and kids running amok, and it's stressful, and people's mental health being affected. But some yeah. people maybe more middle class people if I put it like that they're probably you know with nice gardens and big houses they're saying oh, I have a chance to think and recalibrate no 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 you still need Christ you still need the gospel because yeah, <laughs> once, once these things yeah but the interesting news came out yesterday didn't it that they uh, it sort of leaked out third story down that <clears throat> immunity once you've had it is not a not a lifelong thing yeah so you can get it again so, you know, we could be finding ourselves in the cycle of lockdown or social distancing could be here for some time. And they're talking about pubs. Maybe that applies to churches. It's interesting. Over until the end of the year. 
Well, because we all want, we want this herd immunity or a vaccine, but both take a long time. A long time. But the vaccine is saying could be a yearly thing like the flu jab. Now yeah. that 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 leads us to think like we need to get used to this cycle maybe or sometimes being locked down. Yeah. And uh, we've got a little book to look at in a minute. I'm going to take a look at this with you. Uh, Chris Hadfield's Astronaut's Guide to Life. Just look, look at a couple of little chapters which are pertinent to lockdown actually. Because obviously he was trapped on a space station for a long period of time. But I'm just um, wondering. Um, cool, mate. Top tips. <laughs> top tips. Yeah. Five in lockdown. I'll tell you one right away. Learn a martial art. Oh, and carry Knife fighting. Look at that. We don't endorse knife carrying. Can we just? Can we just? No, uh, this is me pen knife. It's a pen knife for home utility work. I, I didn't know you were going to talk about this because I've got a little collection. I could have. No. Oh. And so lockdown tips. So learn a martial art. Let me show you a little move. I've been trying each day to learn a little grapple or or a uh, a wrestling move, and I've just mastered the rear naked choke. So what you do is you've got somebody. And only do this in a controlled environment, obviously, or if you're trying to save someone's life. But you come up behind them and get your arm like that down the side of their neck, like that, and then bring it round. Yeah. And then with your other arm, you come up, and that hand, the side of it, it grabs your bicep, and then that hand behind their head, like that. So see that move? So your arm comes in like that, yeah. grabs the bicep, back of the head. And then the secret is, watch this, Shoulders back. Lots of people hold them there and don't don't put them to sleep. When you when you pull your shoulders back, look. See that gap close. And we need to add always wear gloves and a face mask. But also when you're doing that, you get the lats on show, the triceps, and and the back muscles that we work on. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. So that's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing, um, I've got a little morning exercise routine. Is this going to be spiritual and make my thing look no. stupid? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm going to try to. Right. But I think disciplines are quite important. So you're learning martial arts, but you also work out quite hard, don't you? I, I did, my skipping rope snapped, so now I'm waiting for another one. So I do, I do a bit of skipping. I, I'm up to 200 without stopping now. It's not bad, mate. I could go beyond that. I could go beyond it, but but I'm also swinging kettlebells. So I do 100 kettlebell swings, 200 skips, good resistance bands, and then tricep and, and bicep workout and squats with my kettlebells every yeah. morning. I have, a, I have a little coffee first, if I'm honest. Yeah. And I go out on a patio and I do that. And I'm blessed to have a patio. But I find that if I do that, it's a six days a week. Yeah. Just, just, just go and I smash that same routine. I mix up a little bit, but um, I could go longer on the skipping, but I'm enjoying mixing it up a little bit. Yeah. Finding that gets my brain going. And, it, it. You, you know, I'm, I'm, energy is going into my body. And because yeah. I'm used to really traveling and I have to use up this excess energy. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm making gains. And I've said before, I don't think you need to diminish this time. I think you can make gains. You know, yeah. we can all do our thing, really. Get out there and go for a walk and... But yeah. also, your thing about martial arts, I think it's right. So, I'm trying to learn new skills, playing yeah. the trumpet, and I've picked up the guitar a lot more. 
learn a technique. Sketching. Yeah, just learn. And I've been practicing that rear naked choke on my wife and the kids, and it works a treat. You get that tight round there, shoulders back. Oh, it's game over, mate. My 12 year old. Mike tried it on you. Well, my 12 year old daughter put me in a rear naked choke, and I, I was. I was saying to her, you've got to lean back, pull the shoulders back. When she did, I literally nearly passed out. It's so quick. So quick. When she's 12. Well, mate. So try it with Karen. I'll do it. I'll do it. Once I've done this, she's doing some <laughs> shopping for old people at the moment. Run up behind her. When she moves she's going out, I'll, I'll try it. But she's got some moves, Karen. She'll probably take me out. <laughs> well, that's what I'm doing yeah. here, martial arts. So let's have a look at let's have a little look at this, and then see. Hold on. What's it, mate? An astronaut's guide to life. All right. On Earth. On Earth. Let me read you this. Uh, Colonel Chris Hadfield spent decades training as an astronaut. Isn't it amazing? They could they could train for decades for one or two flights. Yeah. And has logged nearly 4,000 hours in space. During his time, he's broken into a space station with a Swiss Army knife, wow. disposed of a live snake while piloting a plane, and has been temporarily blinded while clinging to the exterior of an orbiting spacecraft. Secret to his success and survival is an unconventional philosophy learned at NASA. Prepare for the worst and enjoy every moment of it. <laughs> it's good, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. In an astronaut's guide to life on Earth, Chris Hadfield takes readers deep into his years of training. He was a fighter pilot as well. And space exploration to show how to make the impossible possible. Through eye-opening entertaining stories filled with the adrenaline of launched and mesmerizing wondrous spacewalks and the measured calm responses mandated by crisis. He explains how conventional wisdom can get in the way of achievement and happiness. How conventional wisdom can get in the way of achievement and happiness. His own extraordinary educating space has taught him some counterintuitive lessons. Don't visualise success, do care what others think, and always sweat the small stuff. You might never be able to build a robot, pilot a spacecraft, make a music video, or perform basic surgery in zero gravity like Colonel Hadfield, but his vivid and refreshing insights will teach you how to think like an astronaut and will change completely the way you view your life on Earth, especially your own. So, that's, that's the premise of the book. And yeah. What I thought I'd do is I'll read just two small-ish excerpts from it and we'll chat about it as we go along. And, and I think there's a lot of uh, Christ-centered principles in this, actually. Okay. See what you think. This is uh, page 110 in the book, so we're quite into it. Um, it says this. I've worked with some difficult people too. We've all done that. One particularly abrasive astronaut flew on several shuttle flights for which I was lead Capcom. We had to work together closely, particularly during the mission he commanded. The Capcom is the crew's trusted representative on the ground, and I really enjoyed trying to make sure things went smoothly for the crew, except when I had to work with this guy. He was highly skilled, technically, but arrogant and confrontational. The kind of person who regularly swore at me, berated me, and told me in no uncertain terms that I was a bumbling fool. I started to dread interacting with him, and when he dressed me down in front of Mission Control, I wanted to lash back, make my case in a legal manner, enlist supporters, and try and convince them I'd done nothing wrong. Everything about him just rubbed me the wrong way, professionally and personally. Now we've all we've all come across that. 
Yeah. So let's see what he said. Then I realised, wow, he's really effective. This is his way of competing, trying to terrify and belittle others. His objective is to have a negative impact and it's working. He's actually making me doubt my own competence. Figuring that out helped me to stop reacting emotionally to his abuse and started trying to figure out how to make the best of the situation. I quickly realised that I shouldn't take the guy's behaviour personally. I was just one of hundreds of support people he thought were plotting his downfall. He reduced the secretary to tears on a daily basis. But even though I didn't have a lot of respect for him as a person, I was his junior and had to respect his role, whether he respected mine or not. It's an interesting point to me. I decided I had to let his criticism slide by, so I did. I even reached a point of detachment where I was able to see clearly that he was a top operator of a complex vehicle who had some great skills and some fundamental problems. The trick to working well with him was to understand that the problems were his, not mine, and they all seemed to stem from his insecurity. Now, before we move on, that's an interesting sentence there. Because in working in teams, what I've found a lot is that insecure people will try and make you feel insecure or doubt yourself. Mm. It's all been fueled by their insecurity. Yeah. And if you don't get a grip on your emotions quickly, very quickly, or your own insecurities, or put your trust and your confidence on the rock, you find yourself very quickly undermined or feeling uh, diminished. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? So you yeah. strength of... Because we, we want to make ourselves feel better. He was unable, back to the book, he was unable to view his colleagues as anything other than competitors out to destroy him. He therefore needs to be squashed like bugs. And it's interesting that this guy got through astronaut selection, isn't it? Because you would have thought they'd iron people like that out. Yeah. But there's always people who slip through, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. Once flying up to Washington in a NASA jet, because they get their own personal jets as astronauts. It's cool. Oh. I stopped to refuel, and a military guy I never met before noticed the plane and said, hey, do you know, blah, 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 what an asshole. It was striking. Of all the things he might have said to me on the first meeting, his low opinion of the astronaut was the most pressing. I just said, wow, you've met him. The incident really stuck with me. I would be horrified if a stranger met one of my colleagues and said, hey, do you know Chris Hadfield? I ran into him once. What a jerk. I'd be even more horrified if one of my colleagues somehow knew me really well, heartily agreed. It was a happy day for me when that astronaut left the office, but in retrospect, I learned a lot from him. For example, if you need to make a strong criticism, it's a bad idea to lash out wildly. Be surgical. Pinpoint the problem rather than attack the person. Yeah. Never ridicule a colleague, even with an offhand remark, no matter how tempting it is or how hilarious the laugh line. The more senior you are, the greater the impact your flippant comment will have. Do not snap at people who work with you. When you see red, count to 10. Mm. These are good rules in general, but particularly in the space business. If I got into serious trouble on orbit, a medical emergency, say, or a catastrophic equipment failure, my crewmates would be the only hope of survival. For all intents and purposes, they'd be the last people in the world. That's a thought I try and keep in the forefront of my mind every day, not just in space on earth then you go into in a moment we'll look at living long term with people in a confined space yeah it might be useful but there's some very interesting characters like issues there isn't there yeah about not 
about your own responses to people who are doing your nutting. <clears throat> well, and, and part of it seems to be about you realising that you are in control of how you act and react. I think a lot of times when someone is really pressing our buttons, it feels like we've got no control over that situation. But in reality, you've got complete control of yourself, as always. You're just not choosing to use it. Yeah. To think clearly and... Go on, mate. Go on. No, I was just thinking that a lot of the times our reactions are fueled by how we think other people are perceiving us. Say that again? Well, if say I'm in a meeting and you and there's 10 people there and i say something and someone else really kills what i say what we often want to do is respond and justify our position yeah and defend ourselves so we don't look like a burp yeah but often what happens is most people are sitting there thinking well that bloke you said that is a bit of an idiot yeah. why did he do that in public or yeah and and if you're cool and calm you generally not win the day, really. Not that it's all about winning, but stay cool and calm, and that inspires confidence in people. So, yeah, for the most part, if I'm in a meeting and someone rips my head off or belittles me, these days I, I wouldn't really react. What I would do is take them aside privately afterwards, and that conversation stay between us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, and that's I think that's the right way of doing it. I think what the challenge is when it feels like you've been misrepresented when someone's saying something. And, and it's not actually what you've said or what you've meant. Yeah. That's quite tough. Uh, and living with false accusation long term, I mean, we've probably both been in that situation. Yeah. Where we've lived long term with false accusation. Uh, yeah. And people, people are believing stuff about you. Yeah. yeah. And they're believing stuff about you that's just not true. Yeah. And you know it's not true, but there's nothing on earth you can do about it. Mm. Do you know, I, my solution as a, as a man of God is to say, I'll give that to heaven. Yeah. Because God knows. Yeah. The advantage of being a child of God is if you walk with integrity, you can say, well, I'll give, I'll, I'll give that to the Lord. Because <laughs> he does know. Yeah, no, it's true, he mate. He sees it all, doesn't he? It does. And sometimes you have to, I've found I have to go back sometimes in an hour and go, no, I'll give that back to you again because I've taken it again. And yeah. it, you, you keep... It's easy to keep picking stuff up, isn't it? Easy. Very easy. It's all about character, this, isn't it? It is. I, yeah. I remember I remember a story of two two guys went to a newspaper stand and, and the bloke behind the stand was really rude to this bloke. Like, just, you know, unnecessary rude. And the guy yeah. just kept his call, walked away. And his mate said to him, how did you not retaliate? How did you, you know... And, and it was a simple thing. He just said, well, I'm not going to allow him to impact the way I behave. You know, he chose to say, well, that's your, your feelings, your emotion, your, your baggage. I'm not carrying it. That's right. But the, the, the temptation is always to defend ourselves, isn't it? And especially, yeah. I, I find, like, I, I don't know, it was different now because we're not driving as much. But when you're on the road and stuff and people drive close, you... I think oh, I want to defend myself, make a point, or but the strength is to pull over isn't it, and get out of the way and go. You know what? It's your your business. You get on with what you're doing. Yeah, and and when you defend yourself in meetings, you're just making everyone else a judge of you. Yeah. What's yeah, the there's, point? There's something, isn't there, in there about 
security or, or self-assurance in a sense that you know what you are about and what, what you're putting forward. And even if you meet hostility and emotions and you can just hold to what you believe. The um, biggest verse, I think, for insecurities, Romans 8.15, by the Holy Spirit who cry, Abba, Father, know his sons of God. Yeah. We're adopted by God. Yeah. So, you know, in one sense, stuff what everyone thinks if they've got a bad view of you. Yeah. God, God knows me. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I've had stuff, I don't use Twitter as much anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going right off it, mate. Well, it's so full of hate. Yeah, and and you find I've been attacked before by people that don't know me even who have jumped on I the cause of someone else that was in my opinion misguided and misrepresented, and I tried to defend myself and was attacked from like people that didn't even know me, and they were judging me. It was awful. And they don't know your heart, leaders. don't know your family, don't know what you're going through. Yeah. Christian I know people mate. in this last last you know someone said something on uh i don't know some post somewhere how you doing and i said i felt a bit of pressure at, you know having to change everything and uh, edge and cbm and the gathering and blah yeah. blah blah and so i put right don't you trust god then you know, yeah, how you meant to take that <laughs> been in the game 30 like, years trusting god through all sorts of <laughs> chaos you wouldn't know about they don't know what's going on in your family life what you can send him with uh, but it, that's the example where you where you're confident of actually i do trust god i don't even need to reply to that no that's the ideal scenario yeah <laughs> did you spit back some to the book. back then <laughs> <laughs> no comment back to the book of course i trust god <laughs> you just <laughs> <laughs> if your cremates are the last people in the world they're also the last ones you want to alienate or irritate I grew up in a farmhouse with four brothers and sisters so I've had a lot of first hand lessons about the importance of consideration in tight quarters this is good for lockdown Yeah. but I needed another one apparently apparently, and it got uh, let me start the sentence again but I needed another one apparently and got it during my last mission I've been on the ISS, International Space Station, about three weeks when I noticed my fingernails needed trimming. I'd never been in space that long before, so I hadn't faced this particular issue. And I knew that without gravity, dealing with the clippings might be tricky. So I came up with a really great idea. I cut my nails over an air duct intake filter. My new guy idea was that every small clipping would get sucked right into the intake. It worked. I even recorded this improvisational video so people on Earth could watch a mundane task made oddly interesting by the absence of gravity. I didn't think through all the implications, though. <laughs> <laughs> that weekend, Kevin Ford, the commander of Expedition 34, and the person responsible for cleaning that part of the station, undid the screws so he could vacuum behind the filter panel, thereby launching a hive of dead fingernails into his face <laughs> <laughs> and everywhere else. He did his best to catch them all with the vacuum, and it couldn't have been pleasant. He came to me later and politely mentioned, next time I clip my nails, he'd appreciate it if I'd vacuum them off the intake immediately. I was mortified. <laughs> but all I could do was apologise and make a note that the next time I felt smug about my cleverness, I should watch for unintended consequences. Ah. In the grand scheme of things, it was a minor mistake. 
if I kept making more mistakes like that, it would become a major irritant for everyone on board. And ultimately, they could have chipped away at our effectiveness as a team. If you're seen as being consistently inconsiderate or just out for yourself, there's a direct impact on communication, usually overall productivity. People simply won't work as well as with you as you would with someone else's behaviour is a little bit more expeditionary. Yeah, well, there you go. Actually, at CVM, I'd be doing it on purpose so they did fly in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but it is those little things, mate, little clippings, little micro-exchanges with people. That it, is. it is. And in a household, when you're in lockdown, it's yeah. very easy to get on people's nerves, isn't it? It is. It is easy. Yeah. And, it's, and it's always having that mind on the other person, isn't it? And it's the same in teams and in work setups, you know. And I think as a leader, talking as a leader, you've got to manage everyone differently. And you've got to, you've got to consider everyone's different foibles and characters and try and mould people so they, they all let their guards down and they get rid of their own chips on their shoulders. Yeah. Because you don't want people chipped up on your teams. But... But as an individual, having your eye on other people and their needs actually is one of the best ways forward in life, isn't it? Not yeah. thinking about yourself, but thinking about others. And then you get peace yourself, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I, I think at the moment, and this is something I was looking at the other day, is, is that the whole issue of the rise of domestic violence in the home. 25% up. Yeah. And, it, mate, it is, it is that. It is that ability to think clearly think outside of the situation you're in think of others and I, I think also as a network of men like we've got it is encouraging each other to check in with a bloke that could be going through quite a difficult yeah difficult moment of pressure in the home that is causing aggravation for for whoever and checking yeah. in and making sure men aren't making ridiculous mistakes and yeah and um and let some pressure out the pressure valve yeah. No, it's like me and you were chatting and we had a, had a beer together. Yeah. Down the end of, you know, sitting outside, having a chat. We talk most days. I've, I've yeah. got a little accountability group. You've got one. Yeah. It's my night. But checking on your mates, checking yeah. on each other. You know, you still do that. Drop a text, drop a WhatsApp, get on Zoom. And that's, yeah. uh, but as an individual, keep your mind on other people. Um, little biblical reflection to finish with. Go on. Let's remind ourselves of uh, the Beatitudes. Oh, yeah. When Jesus saw the crowds, it's Matthew 5, he went up on a mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit know they need a God. We're not arrogant and proud. Yeah. We know I need a God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they'll inherit the earth. This is the upside-down kingdom, isn't it? Yeah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God. So in your homes as men, be yeah. the people who apologise first, seek forgiveness, bring peace, be the presence of calm not the presence of anger and yeah. tensing things up. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 
rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, and if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. There you go. Beautiful. Love it, mate. I think we'll end. Uh, let's uh, sign off here. Tuning in. See you next time.